Delight. Thank you for being here today. Today is our family Sunday, and we get together to worship together. Thanks, Sadie. <laughs> We're glad you all are here with us this morning. It is our family Sunday, and we love worshiping together on our fifth Sundays. Um, we do have a couple of announcements for you. Sadie's going to help me with that, too. So November 8th, we will have a prayer service that's going to be on Zoom at 7.30. You can find information on that in your weekly email or talk to Pastor Jason if you need to. Next Sunday is our Daylight Savings. Don't forget to set your clocks back. All right, and there are four ways to give. Um, so you can give online. We have the box over here. You can text to give or give by mail. <laughs> All right, Sadie, you did a great job. Thank you. You can go sit down. All right, next we're going to have kids come up for Kids uh, Corner. Guys, if you want to come on up. I know you got to leave the sermon, bingo. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but you can do that. Come have a seat down here, down here. I'll be down here in just a minute. But I have something to show you guys. I'm really excited about it. I have something to show you. Are you guys excited? Do you want to see it? Do you want to see it? I made something to help with Kids Corner today. I'm really excited to show it to you. So I'm going to Oops. Oops. Um, well, I don't, I don't think this is going to work. Do you guys? Oh, man. I'm really disappointed. I was so excited. I was going to tell you about the life of Joseph this month we're learning about Joseph. Here, I'll just, this is fine. This is fine. I was going to tell you about the life of Joseph. I was going to tell you about how he was his father's favorite, and his father gave him this really cool, colorful coat, and his brothers got really jealous. And so then they sold him into slavery, and he went to Egypt, and he actually ended up getting a really good job in Egypt until this guy's wife got really weird, and then he went to jail. And then he becomes like one of Pharaoh's favorites, but now I can't tell you any of that. I can't tell you guys anything about Joseph. You're not going to learn anything about Joseph today. And I'm just disappointed. I just did? Oh. But I can't, I can't tell you about how the story of Joseph is all about forgiveness and repentance and how we get to see that illustrated through this story or how it's the very first book of the Bible and we get to see how it points us to Jesus and God's big rescue plan. I'm not going to get to do any of that. I guess I did. Huh. Yeah, you're right, Jack. Thanks, bud. I, I, I guess I did get to tell you that. That's so exciting. You know, this also illustrates another point that we're talking about. So we're talking about living a godly life even when it's hard, even when things don't seem right in the world around us in our own lives. And we'll see that illustrated all through Joseph's lives. And um, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit or accept what he says to him, and he will make your path straight. Do you guys think that Joseph thought that his life was going to go very well when his brothers betrayed him? No, I don't think so either. Do you think that he thought his life was going to go well when that lady was kind of weird? No, I don't either. You know, and, and that's the same way. Sometimes we don't see the good in things. Sometimes we think everything's going wrong. Man, my poster accidentally ripped. 
I'm not going to be able to do what I need for God. But what's so cool, what the Bible teaches us and what we see sometimes in our own lives and in the stories in the Bible is that nothing can stop God's plan for our lives. And that is so cool and one of the big ideas that we get to learn from Joseph. So that's what I have for you guys this week. You can go back to your seats quietly, but first, first I need some help. Um, Last time we had Family Sunday, we did Sermon Bingo, and it was so popular. So kids, you have one in your activity kits, but adults, if you want to play Sermon Bingo, you can raise your hands. <laughs> so Piper and Elsie, would you pass them out? Avery and James, would you pass out markers? So raise your hands if you want to play. And um, I do have prizes afterwards. If you want a prize, come see me and kids. as a response of your love for us uh, that you are the initiator you're the one who came and approached us and so we get to respond to you uh, with our very lives so we love you we thank you i pray that we would make much of you this morning in your name we pray amen uh see if you guys wouldn't remind standing for the reading of god's word uh, we're going to continue our series through the uh, life of joseph so we're going to be in genesis 42 it says this, you should be able to follow along on the screen. Uh, when Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? And he said, behold, uh, I have heard that there was grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. So 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin. Uh, Joseph's brothers with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land, and Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. So I'll let you guys go ahead and have a seat. Uh, Eric, come on up. And as Eric's coming on up, let me just say that uh, it is, as you probably have noticed, fifth Sunday. We call this Family Sunday. Uh, and if you've been a part of a family, you know that that means there's all kinds of different people around the table. Uh, sometimes it can get a little loud and noisy, but we say we welcome that because family's not clean and tidy, right? So uh, don't be stressed about that. Uh, and I'm glad Eric's preaching and not me on a family Sunday. It's always uh, fun for the guy off that week. So uh, if you wouldn't mind joining me in praying for Eric as he preaches to us this morning. Uh, Jesus, thank you for my brother and my friend, my pastor. Um, I know Eric's worked hard on this sermon this week. Uh, we ask that it would be the very words of God speaking through him, that his preaching would be spirit-empowered today. Uh, as we pray every week, may we see Jesus, and may we become more like him as a result of that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, City Light Church. How are we doing today? I, I do have to say it feels good that we had to put more seats out. That is an answer to prayer, so we're very excited about that. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, you know, whether you guys have been with us the entire weeks uh, for, our, for our series in the life of Joseph, um, if you've missed some weeks, I want to catch us up a little bit on what we've been talking through. All right, One of the things that we see in the life of Joseph, Joseph has 12 brothers and he's got a sister. And uh, Jacob, the father, has favored Joseph greatly. He's favored him so much that his brothers are angry about this, and they no longer want, to, want him to be part of their family. So they try to kill him. Instead of killing him, they, put him, uh, they, they sell him as a slave, and he's down, he goes down to Egypt. When he goes to Egypt, 
Uh, he's been there in a, in a dungeon. He's being, um, he's been forgotten, it seems like. Uh, but as he gets sold as a slave, he goes into Potiphar's house. And because of God's favor, because of God's grace, he actually uses him uh, to run Potiphar's house. All right, he, see, he sees favor in God. And all along the lines, we see this same theme over and over again, that Joseph uh, is favored by God. Uh, he gets falsely accused and has to go back in prison again. When he goes to jail again in the pit, uh, he actually is able to run the prison. And last week, Jason uh, preached there was a transition that happened. Uh, J- Joseph has this ability to interpret dreams. So one of the dreams that he interprets is of Pharaoh, and he tells them, hey, here's what the dream is about. Your dream is seven years there's going to be abundance. We're going to have agriculture abundance. Uh, there's going to be a lot of grain. Uh, all the things that we need to live, all the resources are going to be in abundance. But then after that, in seven years, there's going to be a famine. And with that famine, we need to save seven years so we're, we're able to endure uh, the drought. And so because of this, because of God's favor, uh, Actually, Joseph is put in, in charge of this. He is actually second in command of all of Egypt, all right, just behind Pharaoh. He is in charge uh, of the entire country of Egypt. And this is, the reason this happens is because Joseph's life has been identified in God's plan. God's plan has been for, uh, for Joseph to be able uh, to be put in power, to be able to show God's love, to be able to show uh, that God is faithful to his people. All right, And so he goes from being a slave to being pretty much ruler and king over all of Egypt. And some of the words that would describe Joseph's identity would be he's deeply rooted in God. All right, Some of the, some of the words that would be describing uh, Joseph uh, would be that God definitely has a plan for this brother's life. All right, He's able to step in and see God's faithfulness. So some of the things I want us to think through is even in your own life, we all have an identity. We all have an identity. And what are some words that you would say would describe you? What are some of the words that you say about yourself that would describe you? What are some words that people would say that would describe you? Whether it's your, your family, your spouse, your friends, your kids. Maybe you don't want to hear that. But what are some things that your family would say about you? If you were going to write an auto, if someone was going to write an autobiography, what would it say? And most importantly, if you look at yourself in the mirror, what would you say about yourself? What would you see in that mirror that you would say, hey, here's who I am, here's who I believe I am, here's my identity? Now for me, as you can tell, uh, I'm not white. Uh, my identity, I, I'm black and white, all right? My dad, you, you, you get a little amen there. My dad, my dad is, um, he's black. Uh, he born and raised in Kansas City, went to Paseo High School, graduated in 1970, class of 1970, hurrah. Um, and then my mom, she's European, she's, she's white. Uh, they met uh, on a military base, and I was born in Germany. I'm a military brat, uh, so if you, if you can hold that against me, that's fine. I'm a military brat, that's fine. Um, but what I want to say is my identity, who, how did I relate? And one of the things that I was really proud of, 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 I was proud of my parents. I was proud to be black and white. But let me ask you this question. How many of you guys have ordered, ever ordered a pizza? And when you order a pizza, you say, hey, I want pepperoni and I want peppers on it. Now, if, if you ordered that and they would tell you, nope, sorry, you can only have one thing, how would that make you feel, all right? If, if, if you wanted sausage and hamburger or sausage and bacon and they said, you can only have one thing, how would that make you feel? You'd be like, no, this is America. Um, there's, I have my rights. I want a supreme pizza. Give me a supreme pizza, right? Now, for me, growing up as a kid, as a mixed kid, one of the things I never understood was when you took the little MMAT test, it's, it would say, like, you can only pick one. Like, what are you, what, what's your ethnicity, black, white? Pacific or other. 
And I hated the word other. Like, if you order a pizza and someone says, what do you want on it? Oh, I just want other on it. That doesn't make sense. Like, you've got to have something. So I would make my own box. I'm say I'm mixed. I'm black and white. And they'd always tell me you can only pick one. But I'm like, no, that, that doesn't make sense to me. I am black and white, all right? So I'm not one or the other. I am both. So that's one of the things as my identity, I was, again, proud of. But I did kind of struggle with, like, like what do people perceive me as? And, and I, I'm going to get a little personal here. Um, I have had some stories, some racial stories, uh, in my own family. Uh, my sister, um, she, um, she's a little bit younger than me. She's been impacted. We've all been impacted with race uh, in, in different ways. And uh, for my sister, Eva, um, she was in sixth grade. And uh, one of the kids in her class looked at her, and they called her the N-word. And it was, it was the N-word, all right? There was no, you know, there was, there was nothing that you can do to say, no, this is what she said. She, she meant what she said. And so she went, to the t- she went to the teacher and said, hey, this little kid called me the N-word. And the teacher looks her dead in the eye and says, well, Eva, you are. That's what she said to her. And so that is, that is something that's affected um, me. It's, it's something that's affected my sister for a long time. And... Um, I feel like with, within our own identity, we have to be able to grow from that. We have to be able to say, hey, that's a lie that was said. What does God say about me? Who does God say that I am? And I think, I think for me, um, I've experienced, obviously, racism as well. And um, it's interesting, growing up in church, um, in middle school and high school, uh, some of the ways that I've, 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 I've actually experienced this is I've had girls in my youth group. Um, I've had... Um, other acquaintances of my youth group, they found out that their parents were racist. And here's how they found that out. Uh, so if I was hanging out, if I was, if I was in a certain sp- uh, spot with them, uh, their mom or their parents or both of them would say, hey, make sure you don't hang out with that guy because something bad could happen, basically. What they were saying was, that's a black guy. Do not hang out with him. I don't want you getting pregnant. I don't want you getting hurt. I don't want you, you fill in the blank. And so those are some of the things that that, and that's, that's about six instances that I know of that have actually been shared with me because they actually told me, like, this is what my parents said. So I'm assuming that there, there might be a couple other instances as well. But I, but I tell you that just to hear, you know, this is a reality. This, this is 1995, 1999. This is 2000. This is, this is happening today. And so these are our experiences as, as, uh, as, um, as, as mixed kids, as people coming from different uh, backgrounds, different, different um, identities. But I would say this, I would say that as I've, as I've grown through that, um, I've began to realize at a young age who God says I am. My identity is not shaped in what people say. And I, I really want to go back to this. I really want to go back to the text. This, is, this isn't about me. I just have to share that with you. I feel better now. Thank you for letting me share that. But I think, I think the identities of the brothers have been in a lot of ways shaped by how their father um, has affected them, how, how the decisions that they've made have affected them. Uh, the brothers, um, they, are, they have every right to be angry. Their father has basically told them, um, your brother, Joseph, is my favorite. You guys are, you guys are kind of, you know, second class. He's told them that. that that's going to that's gonna affect them, okay? But the brothers also, they're not innocent here. Um, they're deceptive. They have lies. There's wickedness. And uh, one of Jason's favorite movies, Magnolia, there's a quote I'm going to quote. It says, you might be done with the past, but the past is not through with you. And so their past continues to come up. Their identity is found in their past. Their identity is found in the things that they have done against their brother. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at the older brother. I want to see the older brother's identity. Okay, so we're currently in the first year of the seven-year famine. 
Jacob has nothing saved up. So, like, we believe that they didn't know this was going to happen, all right? Egypt knew this was going to happen. Jacob did not know this was going to happen. And so, but they have money, all right? They have resources. They've got money for grain. It's the first year. And I want us to look at the first, the first verse where it says, Jacob says, go down to Egypt. So, in verse, in verse 1, when Jacob learned that there was grain for sale to Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you look at, at one another? And what he's saying here is, why are you looking at each other so strangely? When I tell you to go to Egypt, why are you looking at each other like, like, I, like you see a ghost? Like I'm saying something crazy here. And so for 20 years, these brothers have done something atrocious that they are trying to forget about, and they cannot forget about it. The, the face of Joseph keeps coming into their minds and says, man, this is what my brother, this is what we did to our own brother, our own flesh and blood. Now, we've got to go back to Egypt. Are we going to see him? Are we going to, you know, are we going to, are we going to be in trouble? Are we going to be found out? They have to go back and relive that moment over and over again. And this is something I want to talk about. All right, I know I wouldn't want to talk about it. Can you imagine the guilt and shame that these guys must feel? Can you imagine how they viewed themselves? Can you imagine that their whole decision that they made has been wrapped up into this one big decision. Now, for me, my first life-changing experience happened in fourth grade. I still remember this day like it was yesterday. Me and a few friends went to a gas station, and like just, you know, it was, it was Conoco, and uh, uh, every, every day we would probably go to this gas station and get candy and buy some drinks, right? And for whatever reason, this day was a little bit different. My, my friends, they dared me. They said, hey, Eric, you should steal a piece of candy. And I didn't really think anything of it. I'm like, there was really not, not that much peer pressure. It was just like, okay, I'll do it. So I go in there. I, I steal a five-cent piece of gum. I put it in my pocket, and I walk out the door. As I'm walking out the door, I still have this movie in my head. Um, a cop comes in. And if the cop saw my face, he could instantly see that I was guilty. If he saw my face, he'd be like, this kid just stole something. I was scared. And as I'm walking out, I'm like, dude, I did not, th- this was wrong. I should not have done this. This wasn't fun. And, and again, I, I replay that, exper- that, that experience in my head over and over again. And I've literally never stolen anything because of that. All right? And so just imagine how the brothers feel. Imagine, imagine the, the depths of this secret that they're trying to, to, to hold back that they cannot share. Their identity is wrapped in this mistake. Their identity is wrapped to their soul. Their soul is really being affected by this. So I, I think here's a crux of our message here. I want us to understand that. That the, the souls uh, of our souls can be deeply affected, and there's no quick fix to fix this thing. All right, there's no quick fix. There's nothing they can do um, b- through better behavior. There's nothing they can do to try harder. A self-help book, one counseling session, praying over them, or go on your way. Uh, that's not going to help them out at all. And neither can our wounds. The wounds that we experience, the wounds that we feel from our parents, from our friends, from society, these things are broken. These things make us broken. And sin, the sin of our souls cannot be changed through behavior modification. Something, someone greater than our sin has to intervene, has to step in and say, hey, I love you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to give you a new identity. I'm going to tell you who you really are. All right? All of us have things in our past. All of us have been told something in our past that just isn't true. And it's hung with us. It's stuck with us. And mistakes keep popping up. And all of a sudden we're reminded of these things that we have done. But the good news is that's not the truth, all right? Some of us here have probably heard this. Hey, you're not good enough. You're not going to amount to anything. You're too slow. You're too thick-headed. 
Some of us may have rebelled against these lies that are told to us over and over again. And we say, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong, and I'm going to overachieve, and I'm going I'm, I'm to do this my way. And I think that both ways are actually hindrances in our faith and who we believe about, uh, about what we believe about ourselves. All right? So whether we believe the lie or we want to go out and say, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong and do that overachieving those, those, I think both of those are still wrong. We're not defined by who we are and by what we do. We're we're not defined by that. NPR News says, uh, has a stat that says 81% of women and 43% of men have been sexually abused in some way or harassed in some way. All right, so so there's obviously things that happen to us as well. There's things that people do to us, and we don't have to stand up and say, that's who I am. That's not our identity. And one of the things I want to share to you is, this, this might be a, a bad, bad example, but um, I want to describe our souls like this. If you see a suitcase, all right, you guys go on vacation, and uh, our souls are a little bit like a suitcase, where you, whatever you're going to put in that, your toiletries, your clothes, uh, your makeup, uh, your technology, when you guys go on that trip, all right, when you guys get back from that trip, you're going to have things you, that you need to wash. You need to, you need to take everything out of that suitcase you need to wash it. You got the gifts. There's good things in that suitcase, and there's also bad things that you don't want to rewear again, right? And so with our souls, our souls are a lot like a suitcase where any, any sort of lies that we believe about ourselves, we have to get those to the surface. We have to tell those things and say, hey, here's what, here's what I've been told, but here's what I believe to, to be truth. There's good things that are told to us as well, but we have to be able to get those things out and unpack those things and process through those things. And our identity, again, cannot be wrapped in the lies of our past. It cannot be wrapped into what people say that are not true. We must expose these things to the light and replace them with the truth. Let me say that again. The things that have been told to us, we have to expose those lies, and the truth has to actually be spoken to us, all right? The, the, the lies have to be replaced with the truth so that the power is broken. There's power in our brokenness. There's power in sin. And so the truth alone, just, us, just me saying this to just me saying this out loud doesn't mean that it's going, to be, it's going to be fine. Just because we know this truth isn't going to set us free. So I have a quote from a theologian, Rob uh, Reamer. It says this, The truth alone will not set you free, but holding on to the truth in the face of the lie over and over again will set you free. Let me say that again. The truth alone will not set you free, but holding on to the truth in the face of the lie over and over again will set you free. You know, one of the lies I believed in, uh, there's another lie that was told to me, um, was uh, I was um, I was in eighth grade. Uh, I was on a mission trip, my very first mission trip experience ever. All right, now, if, if you can imagine me, I was a little, you know, wiry kid, uh, but me and my friends, we were in charge of VBS. We were in charge of the sports uh, aspect of it, and we were also in charge of the, 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 the VBS, or the uh, Bible study. So as we're going and unloading everything in the gym, you know, you see a basketball, if you're an eighth grade kid, you're going to shoot the basketball hoop, right? All right, so we shot the basketball, and then we're still unloading. We're going back out. We're picking stuff up. We're unloading again, shooting the basketball hoop, but we're, we're, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And I remember a youth leader came up to me and told me this. He didn't tell it to my friend. He told me this. He said, you are a waste of space. I don't know why you came on this trip. That's, that's a fact. I mean, I can quote that again in my head. Like, I'm like an eighth grade why would he say that to me? Like, what is wrong with him to say that? And why didn't you say that to my friend? Why would you say that to me? Now, I don't say that was a racial thing. I just think it was, it was just, he just, my parents didn't go to church there. 
And so there was no repercussion. I don't know what was affecting his life, but he told me that lie. And, and, and I think what affects me more today is probably that no one stepped up for me. No one was like, hey, that's not true. Hey, what he did was wrong. You know, in today's society, that guy's going to be fired. But, but, but no one stepped up and said, hey, Eric, that's not true at all. And I think that's probably the thing I had to process. And I'll show you how I processed that later on. Uh, but again, these truths that, or these lies that are told, they have to be replaced with the truth. Um, and so what I want us to do is I want us to really take a step back, even in our own lives. There's things that all of us are impacted by. And I want you guys to begin to think and process, man, what are some things in the mirror that I'm seeing that are told to me? What are some things that, uh, the, some lies that are being shared on me? And I also want us to look at the scripture. Romans 5.8, there's good news here. It says that, but God chose his love for us and that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. And since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And so whatever has been said to us, whatever we've done, there's nothing uh, that can outgive God's grace and love for us. And when it comes to our identity, I want us to ask this question, God, who do you say that I am? Ask us this question, who is it that you say that I am? Not what, not what they say I am. Who is it you say I am? The beauty of the gospel is knowing that we are deeply flawed, but even in those flaws, we are more deeply loved. Man, that's good news. i got to say that again. The beauty of the gospel is knowing that we are deeply flawed, but we are also more deeply loved, even in our sin. And so what, what is it that we see in, in the mirror? What book is being written about us? I do want us to remember that I know the brothers get a bad rap, but I also want to say, like, man, there's generational sin there. Jacob, the father, really started off with that. Jacob was the one that showed them, hey, you guys aren't that important. This, this son is important. And so Joseph's identity is, is rooted in that. But also as, jo- as Joseph becomes a slave, he also understands who, he, who, like who he's going to be identified as, that God has put a, a, a plan in his life. And so I also want us to look at the identity of Joseph. Uh, but I also want us to realize that for the brothers, there was things that were done to them. There's things that are done to us that affect us moving forward. Maybe we felt like, we're, like that we were held back or that, or that uh, we, were, we were neglected, that we were forgotten. There's things that I, I think that, that, that we, we think define us. And the brothers are being defined by this. And I think Joseph is being defined by something else. And so in the mirror, as he's looking in the mirror, he's being defined uh, through the eyes of God. And I think that our identity has to also come uh, from Joseph through Jesus, all right? The identity of Joseph has to be our identity in Christ. And so Genesis 41, 5 through 6, we're going to look at Joseph's identity, says this, Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land, and Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. So they've come to Joseph because, hey, if they, don't get this, if they don't get this grain, they are going to die. All right? If they don't receive this food, they're going to die. And this dream is, is coming true. There you go. Bingo. So there's, there's, a, there's, there's a reality that's coming through um, that, that says, hey, these guys are actually bound down to their brother. All right? The brothers, when they heard that dream earlier that they were going to all bow down to, to, to Joseph, they didn't like that. And so they'll say, we're going we're gonna to get rid of you. And we don't want that to ever happen. We don't ever want to bow down to you, so we're going to get rid of you and show you. Well, the good thing about God's identity, God's plan for our own lives, is that nothing can alter that. 
all right, nothing can alter what God has for you. Whatever plan that God has, this isn't a prosperity gospel or, or anything, but like when God has a plan for you, though, it's set, it's sealed. Nothing can change that. And our God-given identity can only be found in Jesus. And when we receive it, there's nothing that can prevent that from happening in our life. And so Genesis 42, 7 through 8, let's keep going. Uh, Joseph saw his brothers and he instantly recognized them. That's interesting. It's been many years he recognizes them. Uh, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from? They said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Just by show of hands, when you, if you were to see your brothers, if you were in Joseph's situation, would you reveal yourself and be like, I got you now, suckers. How many of you guys, how many of you guys would reveal yourself and say, no, nah, man, you guys messed me over, and now it's my turn to mess you guys up. All right, how many of us would honestly have the thought of beating our brothers, all right, beating them, uh, punishing them severely and saying, now you guys are going to be slaves. No one would care. No one, no one would say anything against them for, for doing that. Um, I know that would cross my mind, all right. I would deny them grain uh, or I'd say, hey, get away from me. I never want to see you again. You know, as, I, as I'm reading this, I'm still trying to figure this out. Maybe you guys can tell me this. I I'm trying to figure out when was it that Joseph actually forgives his brothers because he doesn't do any of those things that I just said. All right, he actually forgives his brothers. And that only comes from God. That only comes from the power of God. But, like, when, when do you guys think he actually was like, you know, in my heart, I can't wait to see these guys again. I want to forgive them. Or was it a process even after he meets his brothers? I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, I kind of think he was kind of ready to forgive his brothers when he first sees them. But there's still a process. I think even as he, after he sees them, he's like, man, maybe I do want to <laughs> get rid of them a little bit. It's, I want to get back to them. But I think that, again, Joseph's identity is found in Christ. It's found in God. It's rooted in Jesus. And that's why he's not able to do those things. That's why he's able to overcome those terrible things. He's in a position because God has been faithful to him. Because God is showing him grace and love. You know, last week's Jason's message really stuck with me. Uh, he was talking about how we as, we as Christians have to honor and love and pray for our leaders, even if we don't agree with them. If we don't agree with their politics, if we don't agree with their lifestyle, uh, God has put them in a place uh, that we must, we should pray for them, we should love on them, all right? And so even, even during, even during uh, persecution of Christians, he was talking about when Peter was writing this, uh, there, was, there was emperors that were like burning Christians alive to use them as torches, all right? And Peter's talking about forgiving them, honoring them, and loving them and praying for them. That's who he's talking about. And so I don't think any Christians have been burned to death uh, because of uh, a certain politician lately. Uh, but, but again, I want to bring that up um, because I think that even in that same vein, I think we need to forgive people as well. When we pray for people, who are the people that have affected you, that have hurt you? How do we pray for them? How do we show them love? How do we, how do we show them forgiveness? And so as we transition to this point, uh, I think that we've all experienced hurt. We've all experienced pain. Uh, the wound, the cut is so deep and it's still healing, all right? There's some wounds in our lives that are still bleeding. I'm sure you guys have heard this quote, if you don't heal what hurts you, you're going to bleed on people who didn't cut you. I think that's really good. If you don't heal what hurts you, you're going to bleed on people who did not cut you. And so in order for us to move forward, I think we have to move backwards. We have to see, hey, what are the things that are really eating at me? What are some things that are really burning me inside? What are, what are some of, the, what are some of the, the, the hidden things I didn't even know were really there? Um, how can I talk about those things? How do we allow the Holy Spirit, how do we allow the Spirit of God uh, to really uh, heal us, to really speak to us? 
You know, one of the things I've actually done a lot of in my past, this might surprise some people, um, it, it surprised some of our staff guys, is I've actually, I've actually journaled a lot, okay? This isn't my journal, uh, but this is, this is the kind of journal that I've used in the past. And um, some of the things that I've, 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 I've journaled uh, are some things that I've been walking through as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, as a college student, as a married guy, as a single guy. Um, and so journaling really is a way for us to identify, hey, what are some of the baggage? What are some of the suitcases? What are some of the things we have to take out of our suitcase and to really process through? What are some things that I need to pay attention to my self-talk? All right, there's a lot of things that we do in our minds that we self-talk. We need to write those things down, whether they're good or bad. And even the things that we, we, we don't even think of subconsciously, I think that we need uh, to write those things out. And so some of the things I also write out are, what are some of the lies that were told to me? What are some of the, the lies? What are some of the things that I believed in those lies? You know, when it comes to self-talk too, uh, I don't know if you guys have had any of this, but like I had a friend's dad who used to always talk to himself out loud, and it was really weird. You know, like he would like say stuff, it was even, whether it was good or bad, I'm like, I'm like Jeff, that's kind of weird, man. Like, don't do that anymore. That's so weird. So when we're doing our self-talk, uh, maybe write that stuff down. Maybe, maybe pause a little bit and write that down. Uh, here's another example of self-talk. I, w- I, want, I want you to imagine, maybe this happened to you. Let's say you're at work, all right, it's Friday afternoon, it's 4.30, and you get an email from your boss. Your boss has left. He says, hey, John, uh, go ahead and come in on Monday morning at 8 o'clock. I want you to come into my office, and, and I just I need to meet with you. Or instantly, I would say, like, a majority of us would be like, is this good or bad? That's all it says. It doesn't say, here's what we're talking about. There's no subject. Uh, there's, no, there's nothing in the subject that tells you what you're going to be meeting about. <coughs> Through that week, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some nervousness. Your self-talk. Write that, that, write that stuff down. What are you going to be saying? Is he going to fire me? Did I do something wrong? And I think some of us here would be a nervous wreck for the whole weekend. And then all, and then all that would happen that we find out on Monday is that, like, hey, we're invited to, like, a company picnic or something. And he wants to play golf with you uh, the next week. But I want us to, th- that's an example of self-talk. What are some things that we tell ourselves, that we work ourselves in, and that we perceive certain things to be a certain way? I know for me, I, I write the negative things out that have been told to me, and I seriously just ask Jesus, what do you say about those things, Jesus? What do you say those things? What do you say about me, God? When I write those things out, when I write out those lies, I write out family slogans. Look, I've got, I've got a, a history. I want to be careful with this, but in my family, I've got a history uh, of, um, of generational sin in, in, in my family's life. And I love my family. I pray for my family. But there are some things that our family has experienced that is very hurt, that is very hard, very painful. Uh, and in some ways, our family has been protected from that. Uh, my immediate family, my mom, my dad, my sisters, uh, I would say that we, pretty, we, we did grow up in a healthy environment. But for my other cousins and for my uncles and aunts, it, I think it's a different picture. And so I want to be able to, to process that and like, okay, God, what does that mean? Like, why would you do that for us? Like, what does that mean moving forward? How do you want our family to live? How do you want our family to be engaged uh, in, in culture and Christianity and the church? So some of the things I do is I also write out the lies that I've experienced when it comes to rejection, abandonment, past wounds. Jesus, what do you want me to do with those lies? How do you want me to pray for James? How do you want me to pray for Jaden? How do you want me to pray for my kids, my family, my wife? Where do you want us to move forward? And I think this, God uses pain and grief and heartache to establish our identities. He clearly does this with Joseph. All right, we see this in Joseph's life. He uses the grief, the heartache, uh, the pain that Joseph, uh, none of us have experienced any of those things. But I think that he also does that for us. He, he uses the pain and the grief, the things we look at ourselves in the mirror and, and he says, hey, here's why this happened. As we close, I want us to see how does Joseph 
make us, how does Joseph point us to Jesus? Because I feel like Joseph, like Jesus, does these things for us uh, to show us his kindness, to show us his love, to show us his grace. Joseph's wisdom is to stockpile food, to save his brothers, to save uh, his country, to save his Jewish brothers, uh, the Jewish nation. But we also get Jesus for wisdom. Jesus saves us. with Like we can come to Jesus and say, hey, here's, here's what I need help in. Here's, what, here's how I need to be praying for you. Those are the ways that, that, that Joseph really points us to Jesus and that Jesus has done for us. Joseph received from Pharaoh a new name. I don't know if you guys know this, but the new name he, he called him was the Savior of the World. That was Joseph's new name. That's a, nice, that's a cool name. I, I wouldn't mind having that nickname. Uh, but I want to say that Philippians 2, 9 through 10, this is, what Jesus, this is what God says about Jesus. Therefore, God was highly exalted, has, has highly exalted him and bestowed on him uh, the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's, that's the good news of the gospel, that Jesus' identity is found through God ordaining that. God has given Jesus that name. Verse, verse 8 says, Joseph recognizes brothers, but they did not recognize him. Isn't this similar to our relationship with Jesus? That, like, Jesus recognizes us, um, but we don't always recognize Jesus. All right? I know that's me. I can raise my hand up with that. I, did, I didn't know Jesus was there. I didn't know he was with me. But Jesus recognizes us first. Joseph recognizes brothers, and he says, hey, I'm going to forgive them, and I'm going to show them grace. Jesus came into, his li- uh, into our lives, and he has, transferred, he has transferred our sin, our death, uh, our, our wickedness, our sin, and he's given us a new name. And Jesus offers us, this, uh, us to us freely. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old is gone, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Jesus goes further than Joseph. Jo- Jesus does so much more than Joseph. Jesus saves us like he saves Joseph. Jesus leaves his home. He's rejected by his brothers. Um, he, he, he's, he's put in prison. He's whipped. He's put on the cross. And he's gone so much further than Joseph has ever done. And he's given us life. He's given us a new identity. He's given us, uh, his, he's given us his, his, his plan for our life. And I think, I think one thing that I, I do want to mention, too, is before this, before this became kind of, uh, before this verse, I know there's some, there, there's some scripture verses that get put out of context. And uh, for me, before this, before this was put out of context, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 was one of the things that I was really able to journal and understand that, man, God had a plan for my life. And so I know you guys have heard this. You guys could probably finish it before I even say it. But it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And through everything that I went through as a middle schooler and high schooler, through the things that were said to me, through the perception that was given to me, I knew that God had a plan for me. I knew that God has a plan uh, for us. And we can, we, can really, we can really look at our identity and say, hey, this is the time in my life that I look back on and said, man, that's when I knew that God had a plan for me. That's whenever he was going to use me. That's whenever he was going to show me his power, his grace, his love. And so as we prepare our hearts, I really want us to think again uh, as we prepare our hearts for communion, I want us to think about our past. I want us to think about, man, like where have we been? Where do we feel like God has taken us to? Where is he taking us to? I want us to, I want us to, play, to, to really um, pay close attention to like the wounds even. I want us to take some time to really think about, man, what are some things that God uh, has, has had to heal us through? What are some things we need to talk to God about? And so before we take communion, let's just take a few, a few steps away and come to the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, Here's what's been told to me. Here, here, here's what I've believed. 
but what do you say about me? What, what, what do you speak over me? What are some scriptures that you want to tell me? And so as we take this time to receive communion, I, I do want us to, again, pray for one another. All right, I want us to pray for one another, and I want us to pray for ourselves. And I want us to be able to listen. What is the Holy Spirit telling us? What, what are they, uh, what are the lies that we believed in for so long? And what is the new identity that God has, has, has wanted to give to us? And before I pray, like, I realize, too, that, man, this isn't going to just change overnight. Like, we don't, we don't just think these things, and all of a sudden everything's good. This is going to take a lifetime. It's going to take weeks. It's going to take months, years. Whatever it is that we need to process through, uh, let us understand that it's, it's not a small thing. This is a big deal, all right? And so as we pray, I, again, I just want us to step away and come to the feet of Jesus. So, Lord, we do thank you uh, that you were on your throne. We thank you that you were in control. We thank you that... Uh, you are the Lord of our lives. We thank you uh, that we can come to you and that we can talk to you about anything. We can share the disappointment. We can share the hurt. We can share our souls with you. And so let us take this time now uh, just to once again, just to confess that you are Lord, that you are good, that you are God. Uh, but let us also submit ourselves and say, Lord, who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to uh, to really think through that, that I need to process some things with? Who do I need to, to share some of the hurt and the emotions that I have? So God, I just, I just ask again, man, that you would just live so powerfully in us through this communion time. Um, man, Lord, whether we need to be encouraged, whether we need to weep, whether we need to, um, whatever it is that we need to do, we just ask, Lord, that you would use that today, that you would use that right now. Um, lastly, Lord, I just, we just want to say thank you. We just want to say thank you that our identity can be firmly found in you and that we are new creations because of what your son Jesus has done. And so we ask this in Jesus' name. And we want to confess to you, uh, man, that you are Lord of our life. So when you guys are ready, you guys can come up and take communion.